Good morning, Cornerstone. I trust you had a good Thanksgiving. Even if we couldn't gather like we're used to doing, like we've done in the past, um, but don't we have so much to be thankful for anyway? I know it's been a tough year in so many ways and in, in so many different capacities, but we are still so blessed. We're continuing this morning our series on the spiritual disciplines. Uh, if I did my math right, I think we're on day 78 of our 100 days, so just three weeks left in this, in this fall uh, push on the spiritual disciplines. Uh, what we're doing today was not the original order of disciplines. Uh, but as we rearrange schedules, God and his sovereign goodness set it up so that the disciplines that we're studying today, three days after Thanksgiving, are eating and fasting. That's just so good of God to give us these at this time in the year. Now, these two disciplines, like all of them, are, are practices that get us that are supposed to get us in the pathway and presence of God. They're, they're disciplines of placing ourselves in a dependent position uh, so that we can grow in our walk with Jesus, so that we can grow more like Jesus, and so that we can acknowledge Jesus in everything we do. The key concept this morning that we want to focus on is dependence. Dependence on God for everything we are and everything we have. Now, one of God's attributes uh, is that he is self-existent, which means that he doesn't need anything outside of himself for his existence. He's completely self-existent. In contrast to that, we as human beings are utterly dependent on God to keep our heart beating, to keep our lungs breathing, to keep our bodies going. We go to sleep at night and we're not even conscious of all those things going on. God is the one who keeps us living and breathing. Eating and fasting are disciplines that tangibly express uh, that dependence on God. We have to eat or we die. Talk about dependence. God built our bodies so that we need to eat roughly every four or five hours. Uh, some people, like myself, need to eat every two or three hours or every one or two hours and, and so on. But roughly four or five hours, we need to eat again. Dependence, utter dependence. And so since we're so dependent on God through our eating, eating should be an act of worship. Eating should be an acknowledgement that we are desperately dependent on God. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says that we eat and drink, or we're supposed to eat and drink to the glory of God. That's an act of worship. But eating is not just utilitarian. God, God, in his love for us, gave us taste buds that enjoy the various tastes of various foods. So we even get to find great pleasure in this essential discipline of eating and dependence on him. God made our bodies also so that when we haven't eaten for a while, we get hunger pains. We get, we get these signals that we need sustenance. But let me suggest to you that the discipline of eating and the experience of hunger pains in our stomach should remind us that only God can fully satisfy. Every hunger pain, every bite of turkey, every meal, every piece of pizza, every steak that we eat should remind us of our need to hunger after God and his word and a relationship with him. Jesus made it abundantly clear that only he could ultimately satisfy our hunger when in John 6 he says this, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He is the bread of life. He is the one that can ultimately satisfy all those hungers. Yes, we need to eat bread. We need to eat food to live physically, but we need the bread of life to live spiritually and to live eternally. Now, the other side of the discipline of of eating is the discipline of fasting. Fasting is the voluntary denial of food for a, a period of time. Fasting from food is as much an act of dependence on God as is the need for eating. When we break the essential act of regular eating, we're declaring that we need God to satisfy our hunger far more than we need food. Now, I know that many of you probably have a lot of negative baggage about fasting. Maybe you grew up in a church culture where there were regular fast days or, or you grew up with all of the fasts that go along with Lent and, and it was a terrible experience and, and it was very legalistic and so on. But please be willing to learn about fasting from a fresh and biblical perspective. Um, so what I want to do this morning is ask and answer several questions about fasting. The first question is, what is biblical fasting? Uh, I know there's all kinds of fasting out there. Um, there's fasting from chocolate, there's fasting from TV, there's fasting from social media, and there are all kinds of reasons to fast. Uh, we fast for world hunger, we fast for our health, we fast for weight loss, we fast to do a cleanse and so on. Uh, I have some friends who would fast before going hunting so that their senses were heightened and they could hear the animals in the woods. But our focus today is on biblical fasting as a spiritual discipline. And biblical fasting is primarily, if not exclusively, about fasting from food. The main idea behind biblical fasting is to engage in the voluntary denial of food for the sake of, of more intense spiritual activity that will help to move us into the pathway and presence of God. That's fasting. Well, why should I fast? Um, fasting from food is intended to focus our mind on God in a more deliberate and intentional way. By depriving ourselves of our daily sustenance uh, of food, we're making a declaration that God alone is our sustenance, that he alone satisfies every longing and desire. Fasting is a discipline that will move us along this process of finding our satisfaction in Christ alone. But it, but it won't necessarily happen instantly. One writer that I read, uh, he committed to a two-year discipline of fasting, and he experienced a very gradual growth in seeing his satisfaction in Christ alone. It didn't all happen the first week or the first month. Now, we could think of fasting in the same way as we, as we think of the Lord's Supper. Uh, when we take the Lord's Supper, we're remembering Christ's death and resurrection, and we live in light of his death and resurrection every hour of every day, of course. The glory and the reality of the salvation work that Jesus did out of love for us should never be very far from our thoughts. But when we engage in that act of taking a sip of wine and eating a piece of bread, it, it drives home the reality of Jesus' work on the cross in a very tangible and fresh way. So too, we should live every day knowing in our heads that only Jesus truly satisfies. 
But when we engage in fasting, it, it drives home that truth in a more tangible way. Fasting is a discipline that will help to move that knowledge in our heads into a conviction in our souls. The conviction that only Jesus truly satisfies. So what are the purposes of fasting? Well, there seems to be one overarching purpose, and then there's numerous secondary reasons to fast. The, the primary purpose of biblical fasting is to worship and glorify God. Fasting is a tangible declaration that I am utterly dependent on him for everything. In Luke chapter 2, we read about the prophetess Anna who lived at the temple. Luke records that she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Zechariah writes in chapter 7, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth month and the seventh for these seventy years, God asks, was it for me that you fasted? Uh, implying that it needs to be for him. So the spiritual discipline of fasting, especially as a, as a regular rhythm, is primarily an act of worship and a declaration to God that our satisfaction ultimately comes from him and not from food. It's a tangible expression that we are dependent on God and that no matter where we try to find satisfaction in our own attempts, they will all fall short. So let's look at some other reasons to fast. These might be uh, more of occasional fasting or more of an as-needed fasting. Uh, let's take a look. The first one is we might, we might fast to ask God for wisdom or for help or for guidance. Maybe we're facing a difficult decision or we're facing a difficult situation or, or, or we need guidance to know what to do about a complex issue or about, we're about to embark on a new path in life. Uh, we're praying and praying and praying about this, but fasting would be an appropriate discipline to add to our praying, to in intensely express our utter dependence on God. Some examples from Scripture. King Jehoshaphat needed help from God, so he declared a fast to demonstrate that he did not have the answer but he was completely dependent on God. In 2 Chronicles 20, it says, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And then in Acts 13, we see the church in Antioch. Uh, it's engaged in a time of, of worshiping and fasting, which again is the primary purpose of fasting that we just talked about, worshiping and fasting. And during this time of fasting, God revealed a new work that he was about to do. Uh, in verse 2 it says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Notice that the church was engaged in fasting together. This was a corporate uh, discipline of fasting, not just private fasting. There's a place for both. So often I think we, we get really, really hung up and, and think nobody can know that I'm fasting. And, and Jesus does talk about that. But there's also a place for us to fast together as a body. So if you're facing a difficult situation, if you're facing a critical decision, uh, if you're about to embark on a new path in life, taking time to fast, asking God for help or relief or guidance or wisdom is an appropriate discipline to do. Fasting 
is a declaration that I cannot handle this on my own. God, I need your help. I am dependent. I am so dependent on you. Another purpose of fasting that we see in Scripture is to express grief or, or, or sorrow. In the Old Testament, after Saul and his sons were killed by the Philistines, uh, the army of Israel retrieved their bodies, and in 1 Samuel 31 and 2 Samuel 1, we read this, They took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. And they mourned and wept and fasted until evening for Saul and for Jonathan his son. This kind of fasting is seen often throughout Scripture. It's an expression of grief and sorrow at the loss of a, of a loved one or, or at some other great loss. Uh, fasting uh, like this can be a healthy way to express our grief and express our sorrow and acknowledge in a different kind of way that only God can satisfy this painful hole in my heart as I grieve this loss. Another purpose of fasting is it's, it's an expression of repentance and humility at the sin that I see in my life. In 1 Samuel 7, we read, They gathered at Mizpah, and they drew water, and they poured it out before the Lord, and they fasted on that day, and they said there, We have sinned against the Lord. We have sinned. Uh, we know we have totally screwed up, and we feel the pain of our sin and our disobedience, and we want to return to a right relationship with God, fasting can be an act of humility and repentance and brokenness over our sin. Now, fasting also expresses uh, the idolatries, the hidden idolatries in our hearts. I know that I fall prey to the self-centeredness of getting what I want, when I want it, the, the immediate gratification uh, that we, that we uh, tend to go to. How often have we gone to the refrigerator and opened the doors and just started staring at what's in there? I mean, we're not, we don't need anything. We're not hungry. In fact, we probably shouldn't eat. But you know, I just feel like eating something. I just want something. Or, or we think, man, I really want fill in the blank. What is it you want? And so I go to Amazon, I order it, and I have it the next day. Immediate gratification, instant gratification. I no longer need to take a few days to think about it or, or go through the discipline of driving from store to store trying to find it and finally deciding more often than not, I really don't need this. There is value in that process. And Amazon has robbed us of that discipline of delayed gratification. I'm, I'm not really blaming Amazon. It's, it's all right here in our own hearts. But fasting is a discipline that restores some of those habits of waiting, of not satisfying every craving immediately, of being patient, of, of letting God satisfy us instead of the FedEx truck. Fasting can reveal those things that we want so badly, but in reality, they're keeping us from longing after God. Fasting is also an expression of grief at the sin and the injustice that we see in the world. Uh, Isaiah talks about fasting uh, for justice among the marginalized in Isaiah 58. He says this is, this, is this not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, 
to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? Fasting over these uh, injustices that we see in society, these injustices that cause us, cause us so much pain and, and grief, fasting can be an appropriate way to bring, bring them before God and express that only he can fix those problems. No government, no laws, no policies, no politicians can fix those problems. And so as we fast, we're, we're saying, God, only you can solve them. Now these are, these are some of the reasons to fast. There's more, uh, but let's keep moving. And I wanna consider some of the cautions that we need to be aware of, some dangers or pitfalls that can derail us if we aren't alert as we, as we engage in this discipline of fasting. Earlier in that same text in Isaiah 58, uh, Israel asks a question and, and God answers it. Uh, starting in verse three, Israel says, why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? In other words, God, we're fasting. Why aren't you doing what we want? <laughs> There's a problem there. We'll talk about that in a minute. Well, God answers, here is why I'm not doing what you want. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with the wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? And God's talking about a false humility there. Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Notice, notice from this passage some dangers about fasting that we need to see. First of all, we need to be careful that we don't get all puffed up with pride and think, oh man, I'm fasting, I'm more spiritual than that other person. Oh, that's such a danger of fasting. That's what Israel was doing right here. We also need to be careful that we don't see fasting as some twisted way of trying to manipulate God. I mean, I'm fasting, surely God will do what I'm asking. No, fasting doesn't change God, it changes me. Fasting moves me, or it's supposed to, into the pathway of God as I enter into his presence, as I deny myself uh, food, as I, as I declare my utter dependence on him, it moves me. Now, another caution about fasting that we need to be aware of is that, is that there are physical issues involved. Uh, if you have certain health issues like diabetes or heart, heart issues, uh, maybe you shouldn't even fast at all, but at the very least, talk to your doctor if you want to do this. Even if you're pretty healthy, be aware of what your body will be going through. Uh, as, as we fast and deny ourselves food for a time, our body is releasing built-up toxins, and so you can get headaches, and you can get dizziness, and you can get really bad breath. <laughs> I remember several years ago, I was in the midst of a, of a two- or three-day fast, and I remember waking up and my head was under a chair, and there was a bump on my head, I had passed out. And I had hit my head on the way down on the floor. And it was time to end the fast for sure. It's an intense spiritual discipline. Fasting is an intense spiritual discipline. But it does have definite physical implications. 
And we need to be aware of the, of the physical dangers and pitfalls as well as the spiritual dangers and pitfalls. Well, okay, Chris, you've convinced me that fasting is an important discipline. So how do I start? Well, let's just remember that what we're talking about here is a spiritual discipline, not a weight loss program, not a health regimen. Uh, th those are valid reasons to fast, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about biblical fasting that should be done as unto God. So here are some suggestions on how to get started. Uh, start with a partial fast of 24 hours. Uh, eat lunch as your last meal and then fast through dinner and breakfast the next morning, and then break the fast with lunch the next day. Um, if you want to get started a, a little more slowly, you can drink fruit juices during this fast, but no food. Do this once a week for several weeks. And then do the same thing after several weeks, but drink only water. Eliminate the fruit juice from your fast. And do that for several weeks. Then go on and take it up a notch and fast three meals. Eat lunch as your last meal, but then uh, fast dinner, breakfast, and lunch the next day and break that fast at dinner the next day. Always, always, always break your fast with a light meal. You're going to be hungry, but don't go out and eat a couple of Big Macs. Eat light. Go slow. And after you've done that, if you want to keep going, you can go on to two and three day fasts and seven day fasts. I've read of, of guys who have done 40 day fasts like Moses and like Jesus did, uh, requires a lot of preparation and a lot of, of medical care and concern. So, as we likely just ate a big Thanksgiving dinner and as we head into the holidays with cookies and candy and big meals, Let's remember that eating is a God-given rhythm that declares our utter dependence on Him. Certainly, let's eat to the glory of God as we feast and as we enjoy the good things that He's given us. Absolutely. But let us also remember that the other side of the rhythm of eating is fasting. And that as much as we enjoy that food, only Jesus as the bread of life can truly satisfy. Fasting is a discipline that can move us into a greater awareness of that truth. Let me wrap up with just a few personal thoughts. Um, preparing this sermon has been challenging for me. I haven't fasted in a very long time. I gave myself some excuses about headaches and dizziness and vertigo, and, and those things are all true. Uh, but I... I have been challenged afresh as I have studied this and prepared this and read on it. Um, I know I have food idols. I know I have instant gratification issues. Let's just call them sin issues because that's what they are. I know that I do not long for Jesus the way I long for a good steak. And the discipline of fasting might be just what I need to do in order to move me where I really want to be. In Psalm 63, David is expressing his hunger and his thirst for God. And he expresses this truth about finding our satisfaction in Christ alone. In verse 5, he says, My soul will be satisfied. And he's implying there with God. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. In other words, David is expressing this very truth. He desired to find the same satisfaction in God as he found in a big, thick steak. Do we? Do I? 
I don't think I do. I want to challenge us to consider these disciplines of eating and fasting as a way to move us into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We need to look at our eating differently. We need to see our eating as an act of utter dependence on God. Yes, as a way to worship Him and, 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 and glorify Him in our eating and enjoy good food. But we need to see it as only temporary satisfaction that points toward God alone as the only full satisfaction. And we need to see fasting as an act of worship that tangibly demonstrates that food is a fleeting satisfaction, but Jesus, as the bread of life, is fully and eternally satisfying. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we see in your word. Thank you for food. Thank you for taste buds. Thank you for allowing this necessary act of dependence to be so enjoyable. But Lord, it gets too enjoyable. That we begin to depend and worship food and eating rather than you. And so Lord, let us, let us engage this discipline of fasting as you lead us. To learn that we are utterly dependent on you. And that only you can fully satisfy. Lord, as we go into the holidays... May we keep our eyes fixed on you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.